Well, good morning, H2O. How we doing? Good? Woo! Go Bearcats, right? Hey, I am uh, more than honored to be here. Um, I don't blow smoke, but you're one of my favorite churches. I love, I love your pastor. I love your staff. And uh, what a great phase of life you guys are in in college. Uh, what an honor. What a formative time. And uh, I want to thank you for your partnership with us. Some of you come down and you serve regularly, as I say, the down and out, the less fortunate, the forgotten, the excluded. And I promise you today, and I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture, that that's very, very close to the heart of God. And I think it's awesome. I live in Price Hill uh, because I want to be close to the people that I serve. And uh, I, I, I want to be Jesus with skin on and with a great group of people and a great team. And again, you guys have been part of that. And I really do thank you. Um, why do we do this? Why do you think it's critical to remember people that have nothing when we have everything? What do you think? And, and here's the primary reason we do this. This is as close to the heart of God that you can get. I have learned, uh, I'm 65, everybody say you don't look that old. In years and years and years of ministry, that one of the most powerful, spiritual, formative experiences in all of life is giving yourself to less fortunate people. It will advance your spiritual development. It will advance your spiritual growth. Listen to this. It will increase your life satisfaction. I like Tony Campolo. Any Campolo fans here today, Christian sociologist, I want you to hear what he says. He says, conversion takes place in mission encounter. Now let that soak in. Here's what he's saying. Conversion of your heart happens today. You come to know Jesus Christ and you see your desperate need for a Savior and you enter, engage in a relationship with him by grace, through faith, that not of yourself. It's an absolute gift. Conversion of your heart happens today. You embrace the faith. But hear this. Conversion of your life happens when you engage the less fortunate. There's something that breaks inside of you. There's something that gets molded inside of you to be more like the Father because, friends, God cares for the poor. Do you believe that? And because he does, we do. And we should. From the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end, the heart of God is for the less fortunate. Let me, let me share a couple with you. Luke, Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. This is the word of God for the people of God. It says, when you reap a harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. And then it goes on and it says, and do not go over your vineyard a second time and pick up the grapes that have fallen, but rather do what? Leave them for the, the poor and the foreigner. And then he says, I am the Lord your God. Pretty clear, what do you think? You go to Numbers 35 and verse 14, and the children of Israel are going into the land of promise. And here's what he says. As you're on your way, I want you to have three cities of refuge on this side of the Jordan, and then I want you to have three cities of refuge on that side of the Jordan when you cross over. You want to know what a city of refuge was for? The less fortunate, the forgotten, the ostracized, the pushed out. Let's go to Jesus in the New Testament. Luke chapter 4, he's preaching his 
first sermon, inaugural address. Imagine he stands up among the people, he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, and here's what he says. Guys, this is what the game is going to be all about. This is the Messiah, the God-man. Spirit of God is on me to preach good news to the poor, freedom to the captive, sight to the blind, the year of God's favor for all people. That's how he started. Now fast forward and go to the end of his ministry. And he's looking back to see, well, what kind of job did he do? And what kind of job did we do? Matthew chapter 25. And he's trying to help the religious leaders and people of his day understand, are you in or are you out? Because it's not just what you believe. It's what you do with what you believe. And Jesus said, let me tell you who's going to be in. I was hungry and what? You fed me. I was naked and what? You clothed me. I was in prison and what? I was forgotten and what? You remembered me. And they said, well, when did we do this? You remember what he said? Verse 40. Whatever you did for the who? Least of these, you did it as unto me. So from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end, God absolutely clearly has a heart for the poor. I want you to think about who Jesus spent his time with. I like to say the riffraff. <laughs> the forgotten, the excluded. That wasn't all that he did, but it was a primary part of what he did. I want you to think about the rich young ruler when he came and he said, Lord, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, I mean, he talks about, I've kept the law, I did all these great religious things, but in Matthew 19 and 21, it says, if you want to be perfect, here's what you got to do. Go sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. You can't follow without giving up. You can't legitimately follow Jesus without remembering those who are forgotten, including those who are excluded. Never forgetting, as Isaiah would say, the rock from which you were cut and the pit from which you were dug. I was fortunate. My dad was one of 13 kids, first one to go to college, ended up becoming a doctor. That's the American dream. Poor, poor, poor. He wasn't poor after he became a doctor. This is what's so beautiful about my father, and he's no longer with us. He never forgot where he came from. He was generous. He remembered people that were on hard row. He had been there. You know what? We've all been there, yes? We're all poor in spirit. We're all busted. We're all jacked up. Last time I checked. Am I in a good audience here today? Absolutely. Boy, here's what I want to do. I want to spend the rest of our time looking in Luke chapter 14, and it's the parable of the great banquet. It's a picture of the foretaste of, of the time when we're going to all sit around the table, okay, in the kingdom. And here's what the context is. Jesus, in verse 7 of chapter 14, looks at all these people, similar to you and me, and they are all choosing the seat of honor at the table. That surprise you? And that the tendency of all of us is to look out for number one. So he uses a parable now to teach them a lesson because they're missing. And a parable is a story with a punch. And it's intended to apply to the way you and I are living today. And so in, in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 12, to selfish people, and I'll raise two hands here and say, I think that includes me, and I think that includes you. Yes? Listen to what he says. 
Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends and your brothers and your relatives and your rich neighbors because if you do, they may invite you back and you will get your reward right then and there and it's over. Okay? But, he says in verse 13, when you give a banquet, when you have a party, when you do something special, I want you to first of all invite the who? Come on, the who? The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then and only then you will be, oh my God, anybody interested in being blessed here today besides me? I'm the only one? It's pretty clear, isn't it? It's so clear, it's crazy. And although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Guys, if you want to be blessed in life, you got to think beyond yourself. And you got to especially include people that we would say are on hard times. It could not be any more clear from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end. This is the heart of God. And when we do this, listen, everybody gets blessed. You get blessed. They get blessed. We get blessed. You show me a church that cares about the less fortunate, that's inclusive of everybody, especially people that are broken, I'll show you a church where the Spirit of God is palpable. Absolutely. You show me a life that cares about others and is full of compassion, I'll show you a life that is filled with the authority of God himself. The presence of God, the peace of God, the power of God. I've pastored a church for 20 years right up here in North Cincinnati. Everybody had everything you could ever want. Highly educated, phenomenal jobs, unbelievable lifestyle. The greatest thing I felt we could do is to help those who have everything remember those who have nothing. It is one of the most formative experiences in all of life. And friends, we're stunted in our spiritual growth if that's not a part of who we are and it's not a part of what we're doing. Let me tell you a story. There was an inner city couple who worked with the poor and they got engaged to get married. Their guest list for their wedding was their friends, their families, and you ready? The people that they serve. Those were their friends too. You can call them clients, partners, whatever you want. When they registered for their wedding, they registered at Target. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Hats, coats, socks, underwear, and gloves. That's what they registered for. They sent a bus out into the inner city to bring their friends to their wedding and then to the reception. And this is one of those weddings where instead of giving a gift, you got a gift. And those people that were forgotten were remembered. After the service, when it was a beautiful service, the couple took off their wedding garb, donned a basin and a towel, and came behind the buffet line, and they served all their friends a dinner to die for. You with me? The best of food, the best of wine, linen tablecloths, and they danced their way into euphoria all the way past midnight. You think that was a fun wedding? I'm telling you, friends, it was awesome. People forgotten were remembered. People left out were included. That's the, that's the banquet. That's the kingdom, friends. People formerly pushed out were absolutely welcomed and brought in and absolutely set in the seat of honor. Now, that's not even the cool part of this. You know, before the ceremony, the couple told the pastor presiding over the wedding, they said, listen, 
I want you to be ready to engage our friends with the good news. I want you to be ready to pray for our friends. I want you to be ready to invite our friends to the real banquet, the heavenly banquet that is here now, today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? It's not something we're just waiting for. Listen to this. Would it surprise you if I said people came to know Jesus at that wedding? Would it surprise you if I said people got healed at that wedding? person with cancer said, would you pray for me when they finally understood God cares about you? Read Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 says, man, when you remember the cause of the poor and the needy and you get beyond yourself, then your light's going to shine. You ready? Then your healing's going to come. I'm telling you, friends, there is power in a life. Unbelievable power. When we begin to live the biblical life that we're called to in the example of Jesus Christ, which always remembers and always shows kindness to the poor. And I believe today when we do that, God shows up and he shows off. You believe that? People's lives are changed. And I'll say this, no, again, nobody more than you, nobody more than me. It is a phenomenal part of your spiritual formation. Now, to further reinforce this point, now Jesus tells a parable. And it is called the parable of the heavenly banquet. So I'm gonna, I want to just go through it verse by verse. Can I do that? Everybody say yes. Love for you to do that, Tom. Good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyway, okay? I love the Word of God, and I know you guys do here too. I, I, I just I love the teaching here. It's awesome. So here's the parable that the selfish people that are only looking out for themselves are being told to help get them beyond themselves and especially to remember less fortunate people as we're going to see. He's already said when you give a parable, when you give a banquet, invite who? The poor, not just your friends, not just your immediate family. Okay? So verse 15 says this, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, "Blessed is the man who's going to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God." I want you to know something. The Jews always looked forward to the golden age and in the golden age the Jews were going to be exalted the Romans were going to be brought down God's people were going to be put in their rightful place that was their vision of the kingdom I'm telling you it was upside down it's easy to miss the true genuine message of the gospel of Jesus Christ who is this guy thinking of when he says this blessed is the one who's going to sit at the table in the kingdom of God who's he thinking of He's saying, oh, how wonderful that I'm going to be there. Oh, how awesome. He's got a disease. You know what it's called? Ingrown-itis. His whole world centers around I, me, my, mine. Who's he thinking about? He's insensitive. He's selfish. This parable is going to make it so clear. We're not included until we include others. We're not remembered until we remember others, especially less fortunate others. We're not a disciple until we truly make a disciple. Especially of somebody who didn't get the message. But I cared enough because God gave it to me and he brought me in that I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live my life. You're at a very formative phase right now. 
very, very formative. And I want to say this, and I don't know you, so don't think I'm being mean. Stop being selfish. Stop being insensitive. And start remembering people that are less fortunate than you. It'll change your life. Do I look happy up here today? I'm happy, man. I'm, I'm so, I wake up, I'm like, I, God, I can't believe it. I'm serious. I know you feel that too. If you know the Lord. Listen to this study by the American Medical Association. Cited a study that indicates that in the 20th century, people who lived in each generation, follow this, were three times more likely to experience depression than folks in the generation before them. Isn't that interesting? We got more than we've ever had, and we're experiencing more depression than we've ever had. Despite the rise of the mental health profession, people are becoming increasingly vulnerable to depression. Why? Martin Seligman, a brilliant psychologist with no religious axe to grind whatsoever, has a theory that it's because we've replaced church, faith, and community with a tiny little unit that cannot bear the meaning and the weight of meaning. And that's the self. We're all about the self. We resolve our lives around ourselves, and ironically, the more obsessed we become with ourselves, the more neglect of our soul, and the more miserable we are. Friends, let's agree to get out of ourselves. Amen? Listen to what verse 16 says. Jesus begins the corrective now. This guy's talking about a banquet. Sorry, he ain't going to be there. He thinks he is. He thinks his religion is going to get him in. Not going to happen. So Jesus starts the corrective in verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. Okay, this is a, it's a parable. It's a story. Who's the man? God. What's the banquet? It's the kingdom of God. And listen to this. It's a party. That God wants to be inviting people into. It's not a funeral. How many guests did he invite? Many, 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 many. The focus there is no one gets left out. Nobody. I want to remind you today God is inclusive. I like to read in Revelation the picture of the end time when they're all worshiping. Every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every social class, every color of skin. You hear me? You want to know the most segregated hour in the United States of America today? Normally it's about 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday morning. Ought not be that way. What do you think? Wow. I think that in verse 16... God is reminding us his story, his meal, his banquet is to be shared. And as you're going to see, and as you've already seen, it's especially to be shared with the people who don't normally get shared with and for. It's especially to be shared with the least likely. What did Jesus say? Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. It's to be truly understood by everyone. And friends, that guy in the first verse before this, he's missing out. I do not want you to get to the end of your life, and guess what? I missed out because I only believed half the gospel. I didn't believe the whole. Remember, Matthew 25 is end time. Who's in, who's out? I'll tell you who's in. I was hungry, you fed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I, oh, I had the confession of faith. You, you can't get in without it. 
but you've got to have a lifestyle that also matches and looks like God. So i got a question. Let me get real practical here. Who's on your most wanted list? Most wanted by God. Does it include the riffraff? Does it include people who are hurting and broken? Or do you just hang out with people look like you, walk like you, talk like you, spin like you, and have like you? 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 says this. This is good and pleases God our Savior. You ready? He wants all men, women, and children to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. All means? Means all. And I want to say it again. Especially, we're, we're, we're building the biblical case. Especially people that aren't normally included. You glad God included you? I, I, I still can't believe it. And I am so thankful. You want to know why I'm here today? No, Tom, why are you here today? Thank you for asking. 51 years ago, I'm 65. Everybody say it again. You don't look that old. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 51 years ago, 51 years ago, somebody invited me to an experience similar to this. And I was religious, but I did not have a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I can only tell you, the minute I walked into the room, I said, there's something different in here. And they included me. They included this young teenager who was trying to work his way to God because he didn't know any better, who was spiritually impoverished and poor to the core of his being. And they included me. And by the end of the week, I understood the gospel. I understood I don't have to work. Jesus did the work i got to embrace him. And I'm telling you, it revolutionized and it radically altered my entire life. That's why the gospel is called what? Good news. I'm going to tell you, good news is not the Bengals. I like the Bengals. Good news is not the Bearcats. I like the Bearcats. I was the chaplain there for three years. Come on, Bearcats, let's go. That's not the best news in town. It is not the best news. The, the, the best news is not the election that's coming up. You know what the best news is? It's the good news of the gospel. It is the election of all people. This is good and pleases God our Savior. He wants everybody in. And I want to say it again, especially those that are impoverished. Okay, let's look at the next verse, verse 17. It says, at the time of the banquet, so remember he just prepared the banquet he's got many people on the guest list it's the time of the banquet he sent his servant to tell those who've been invited come for everything is now ready who's the servant it's Jesus who's the servant it's you and it's me you know what he's saying soups on party kingdom of God is a party friends it is an awesome place to be it's fun it's not funereal it's fulfilling, it's satisfying, and it makes that offering out there what the world pale in comparison. And people are dying without knowing it because I'm selfish. And I have a hard time getting out of myself. God's kingdom and his banquet is better than Golden Corral. It is better than Skyline. And here's what a study shows. 65% of people invited will come 
if you've built a bridge with them. Whoa. Why am I here? I got invited by somebody like you. Spiritual, impoverished man that I was. And I want to say it again, man. You have compassion in your life. You got authority in your life. You look like Jesus. You smell like Jesus. You act like Jesus. Okay, verse 18 says they all alike began to make excuses. Let me say this. We're going to look at three excuses people make for not coming to the banquet, and they're lame. They are lame. And let me say this. The road to hell is paved with excuses. Sorry. It is. But here's excuse number one, verse 18. I want you to hear what he says. They all alike begin to make excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. You know what that is? It's a picture of somebody whose stuff is consuming him. It's the sin of materialism. It's the scourge of more, more. I got to have what? It's what the culture teaches. You know, mine is the first generation that has created this phenomena of storage bins. You know what I'm talking about? You drive and they're, they're all behind a gate and you get a gated entrance and then this looks like garage door after garage door after garage door after garage door after garage door and you get a storage bin to store your what? Your stuff. Why? So you can go get more stuff, right? And you can forget what you had in that one and then you can get you another one. I'm telling you, it is not all it is cracked up to be, guys. It is not... That's like the, the guy with the bigger barn syndrome in Luke chapter 12 and verse 20 who has a, a bumper crop, and what does he say? Well, I don't have room for that. I'm going to tear down my old barns. I'm going to build bigger ones, and then I'm going to have a great harvest, and then I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry, and everything's going to be wonderful. Does anybody remember what Jesus said to that man? Same thing he's saying to us today. Luke chapter 12 in verse 20 says, but God said to him, you fool. This is so inverted, friends. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself? In other words, there's something more important than stuff. And more stuff. And much stuff. And that's a knowledge of the truth that you and I can share with people if we don't get too caught up in this American dream and it squelches the kingdom of God. Amen? I read about a guy who was brought out to a, a big, big, big plane. Not an airplane, but a plane of land, as far as the eye could see. And they told him this. They said, listen, everywhere you put your foot down, that's your land from here forward. You can have everywhere, as, as far as you can go, as fast as you can go. Here's the, here's the only thing. You've got to be back by the sun go down. So they fired the gun. What did he do? started running oh, 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 oh. oh can you believe all this is mine the further i go the more i get the further i go the more i get i mean he's running and running and running and running he's just in euphoria oh my gosh i can't believe how wealthy i'm going to be i can't believe all the things i'm going to possess i can't believe all that's going to be mine all of a sudden he realized he'd been running for a couple of hours the sun starting to go down he turns around and he runs as fast as he can for the next hour to get back. And listen, right after he passes the finish line, the sun dips and he falls over of a heart attack and dies on the spot. 
Guess what he got at the end of his life? Same thing you and I are going to get. He got a plot of land, eight by six by four. And that's it. That's where we're all headed. And friends, the only thing you can bring with you is what? It's people you've influenced. It's people you've touched who got it because you got it and you gave it. And you didn't get caught up in this sin of materialism. That's a bad excuse, friends. Okay, the next excuse is in verse 19. And this guy has a vocational conflict. He's a workaholic. I want you to listen to what verse 19 says. He says, another one said, I just bought five oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Let me tell you this. Five oxen in a rural grain culture back then, that guy's filthy rich. And he says, I, now I got to go out and I got to work more and I got to work more and I got to put this to work. I got to stay late. I got to do more. You, you see what he's saying? I don't have time to do what God has called me to do. I told you I've been in ministry my whole life. I've been at 100 deathbeds, if not more, easily. I've never, ever, ever yet seen anybody on their deathbed say, I didn't work enough. Not once. Not once. I've heard them say, I didn't love enough. I didn't give enough. I didn't care enough. You guys remember the, the movie Schindler's List? Do you guys watch that? Remember what he said at the end of his life? Albert Schindler, who saved thousands of people, he said, I could have done more. Guys, make sure you're focused on the things that are going to count. Amen? The things that are going to matter in eternity. And don't be foolish and selfish. Ask yourself the question, how much stuff is enough? How much conquest is enough? How much success is enough? You know the greatest success in life is making somebody else successful. That's the greatest. I'm telling you. It is the absolute. John Krakauer conquered Mount Everest, lost some lives in the middle of it, and he wrote a book in, called Into Thin Air in the late 90s, and it was all about his experience. Listen to this. If you're going to take on Everest, it takes years of planning, months of preparing, days and weeks of climbing in order to be successful. He did it, and they lost some lives. Listen to what he says about reaching the highest peak in the universe. He is, he is as high as you can physically go. You cannot go any higher. He just accomplished the greatest dream, the greatest aspiration, the greatest project anybody could ever project. Listen to this, within two minutes on top of Everest. You know what he said? What's next? I'm telling you, friends, it will not satisfy only the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to fill the hole in your soul. That's it. And man, I encourage you, get it now while you still can. The bigger question than what's next is, well, who are you going to take with you? It is time to reverse the curse of materialism and workaholism and make room for others. And I want to say it again, especially poor others, especially less fortunate others. It will change your life. And it'll change the lives of the people around you. Okay, then there's another guy in verse 20. And I say, this guy is the smartest guy in the Bible. I'm serious. 
Tell me if you agree. If you're married, I have no doubt you will agree. I know you're a minority here this morning. But in verse 20, the next guy's excuse is still another. said, I just got married. I can't come. Oh, that guy's smart. He knows if mama ain't happy, then what? Ain't nobody happy, man. Come on. But here's what I want. I want you to put family and marriage and all that in biblical perspective. Even the greatest marriage and family can't take the place of chasing the kingdom of God and taking other people with you. It can't. Jesus used extreme expression when he said, you've got to hate your mother, your father, your father. He just meant your love for me ought to be so great. You're coming after me ought to be so great. Any other thing pales in comparison to that. So I want you to know what God's response is in verse 21. To all these excuses. Verse 21 says, the servant came back, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became what? What did he become? Angry. God doesn't get mad very often, but he does get mad. And he ordered his servant to go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the who? Thank you. The crippled, the blind, the lame. Wow. God doesn't take lightly when we don't remember other people. You guys remember when Jesus cleansed the temple of the money changers? You know what, you know what made him upset the most? Is they were, they, were, they were preying on the poor people. The poor people that had to come to the temple in order to buy their sacrifice. He hates that. You, you forget the poor, he hates that. You forget how blessed you are? He hates that. You forget that you're there by the grace of God? I'm telling you, you want to get God upset? This will do it. This will do it. God's heart, you ready? It's for the lost, and God's heart is for the least. They go together, friends. So do what? Make haste, man. Get out to the alleys. Get out to the streets. Bring in the poor, the blind, the slick. Go to the back roads and the back rooms where the riffraff are. And keep this in mind. If God loves these people enough to die for them, surely we can love them enough to live for them. Yes? And include them. Verse 22 says, well, we did what you said. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. He doesn't say sit down and relax then. No. He says then here. The master told his servant this time go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Go to the back roads. Go to where the less fortunate people are. And remember this. You're not going to be full until this place is full. The banquet table. Yes? I'm going to say it again. The best success in life is making other people successful. The best way to ensure blessing in life is include other people. And don't be selfish and don't live with ingrown ideas. And here's, I'll tell you what I really believe Jesus is doing here. You know what he's doing? He's redefining success. He is. Please don't miss what this is saying. Okay. We understand the passage pretty well. Pretty well. Okay. Well, what are we going to do with it? What's the application of a passage like this? I, I got a few suggestions. First one is this. 
Answer the question, who are you being intentional with and who are you spending your time with? Including with the hopes that they're going to get included. God's got a most wanted list. Do you have one? And let me ask you this. Let's get down to a little bit more detail. Is it just up and comers or is it down and outers? Is it just your current friends and family or is it people that don't have friends and don't have family? Is it people in your same social class and strata or is it people that are a little lower than you? Is it people that look like you, walk like you, act like you, talk like you, or is it people that don't? What do you think God would have us, friends? Please don't forget to include the unincluded. Please don't forget to remember the forgotten. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing with the last leg of my life. It's the most gratifying. I did it when I was with the rich people, too, and I'm one of them. Because I understand this is the heart of the gospel. And we got a half gospel if that's where it starts. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about my family. I have three sons. I have five grandkids. I know, I, again, I know I, you got to be saying he can't have grandkids, man. He just looks way too young. i got five of them. They're awesome. My youngest son, and also my wife passed away of cancer five years ago. But when we raised our kids, we took them in mission every single year to serve the poor to make sure they didn't get caught up in the American dream more than they did the kingdom of God. It was the most formative thing they ever did. I'm excited about your international trip next summer and everywhere else you go from here forward. It'll change your life. So I took my son when he was a senior in high school to Guatemala with a, with a group from our church. We went to Tehutla up in the mountain region. We served the church, and what we really did is we served the community for an entire week. And by the end of the week, the whole town's talking about the gringos. You know, the gringos are cleaning things up. The gringos are serving. The gringos are building stuff. The gringos are giving us food. And it was awesome. On the last night of our trip, here's what we told them. We said, listen, we're going to show the Jesus movie tonight, and you're all invited. We'd earned a right to be heard. You with me? Relational evangelism and outreach. So on the last night, my son and I and our whole team are in the town square, and we're getting it all ready. We're putting out chairs, and we're getting up a big screen, and we got some uh, refreshments and food over here and the sun's starting to go down and they just start coming in and coming in from the countries and the back roads and the alleys and it's obvious they're poor they don't have shoes they got the babies on their backs so here's my big strapping looks like his dad 18 year old football playing son who played college ball and he's standing on the steps of the town hall and he's watching all these people coming in, and they're poor, and they're less fortunate, and they're forgotten. And he's got tears, alligator tears, falling down his cheeks. And I'll never forget it. He's 32 now. And here's what he said to me. He said, Dad, this is what it's all about. You with me? He's 32 today. He went to the Lenders School of Business. He, he's killing it. If you're, this is a great university, right? He is killing it, and he's madly in love with Jesus to this day. He's got four kids, just built a dream home. Let me tell you what he did. One of the first things he did when he started making money, he and his wife established a trust and a foundation, and they were in their 20s at that time. 
And every single year, every single year, they pick out somebody who's less fortunate and they bless them. Why do they do that? Because they're so darn blessed. Why do you need to do it and I need to do it? Help me. We're so darn blessed. And you can't keep it unless you give it away. Okay, second question. Who are you currently serving and sharing your resources with? Your time, your talent, your treasure. I want to say this. It's going to take you giving for them to get it. It is. So hear me. Be generous to the poor. Be intentional with your time, your talent, and your treasure. Can I tell you all about the best Christmas I've ever had? Yes, Tom, we would love if you did that. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I've had 65 Christmases. Best Christmas ever. 15 years ago, I served this church up here. I've been serving churches and young life early my whole life. Living the dream. Down in the hood, last chapter here. One day I went to my, my mailbox at church. Listen to this. There was a stack of cash, $15,000 in 50s and 100s. And it had a note on it. It said, bless people, have fun. Ask me if it was fun. You know how fun it is to give somebody else's money away? <laughs> it taught me an unbelievable lesson because I'll tell you what we did. As a family, we said, we get to bless people. We went to Walmart with a lot of money in our pocket. Why did I go to Walmart? Because that's where America shops, right? And if you're shopping for Christmas at Walmart, you're looking for a deal, right? You're, you, you probably aren't real, real high. I, I still shop there, okay? I still shop there. But you're probably struggling. You probably haven't, you, you with me? And we would, we, would, we would walk to the store as a family and we would pray, Lord, open our eyes. And without fail, we would see a mom with three or four kids. Obviously, she's a single mom. Kids are a little ratty and dirty, and, and she's trying to think, are we going to have Christmas this year? And we picked out family after family after family, and we said, and we gave them like 100 bucks, or if they had a lot of kids, two or 300, and said, hey, God loves you. He cares about you, and we want you to have a fan. I, I can't tell you how many tears were shed in Walmart. And it wasn't just them. Who else cried? We did. Once your heart moves, do what God asks you to do. Another thing we did is uh, we about 10, 11 at night, we'd hop in the car, cash in our pocket, and we'd go through the drive-thrus like rallies. Who works at rallies at 11 o'clock on a Friday night? Somebody needs money. I mean, they're not doing it for kicks, all right? We'd go through the drive-thru. I'd order like a drink or Coke, and then I would pull $100 out, and I'd give it to them, and I'd say, hey, man, bless you this Christmas. And, uh, and it was some simple, God, God cares about you. Oh, my gosh. And then the guys in the back would get wind of what's going on, and they'd all rush to the window. <laughs> Serious. And I had enough, and I'd go, for you? And for you, and for you too. And I'm serious. I can hear it right now. We'd pull away, and I could hear them screaming and having a dance party at rallies in the back where they're fixing all the food. So, 
Was it a great Christmas? Best one ever. Okay, last question. This is so, so what this passage is all about. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to experience the favor of God? He, he, he just said it. He, he clearly said it. It's not me. You will be blessed if you do this, if you show the favor of God to other people. You will be included in a powerful way if you include other people. You will grow and you will spiritually mature the day you bury your selfishness. And the key to getting there, the absolute key to getting there is making sure you remember and you include the lost and making sure you remember and you include the least. And everybody said, amen. How about if we pray that God would impress this on our hearts, that our lives are going to be different because we've heard truth today and truth sets you free. Okay, so let's pray together. In fact, if you, if you just feel conviction, I want you to stand up and say, you know, I, I really want to do something with this message. Stand up. I'd like to pray if you want to. Okay, and you're just saying to God, God, I, 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 need, I need to do better in this, okay? Okay, Father, I just, I thank you for such an awesome church here at the heart of University of Cincinnati. I thank you, God, that these, these folks have come here today because they acknowledge that you're the Lord, you're the God, you're the sovereign, you're the king. Father, I thank you that you've got something for us so much greater than the American dream, and it's the kingdom of God. And I thank you, Lord, that you who has begun a good work in us is going to bring it to fruition until the day that Jesus returns. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to our hearts from your word. Lord, would you give us some very special, clear application that you would have? And the first thing I pray, God, is that our hearts are going to be soft. We are all around broken people. We are all around poor people, needy spiritually impoverished would you help us god to get out of our comfort zones please and go to the places where we can encounter people that are half as fortunate as we are and father i pray that you're going to bless 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 our obedience and our response to this today God, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. And so we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Now, we're going to worship. That's the best response you can make today. Give yourself to God. I want you to know this. This is not intended as a commercial. We're, we're hiring two Cincinnati students where I serve. One for development and their part-time positions and one in our student lab for inner city kids that are twice as likely to not graduate and three times as likely to be in poverty. So if you have a heart for any of that, talk to me. But right now, let's talk to God. Amen? Let's, let's surrender. That's the best thing. Our spiritual act of worship to give ourselves back to God. And when all is said and done, I'm going to be standing over there. Love to meet you.